Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our vision and mission is simple, to spread the good news and gospel to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and it is a blessing to you. Um, you know, as praise and worship was going on today, the praise you in the storm, that was just uh, a God chosen song. And, you know, when I went through struggle and grief in my life, that was a song that was constantly playing in my dorm room. And it was something that I listened to often. So it brought back a lot of memories and, you know, the, I'm going to shorten my story a little bit, but, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal home, you know, I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, you know, we were raised in a cultural way. I lived with my Amitian Apitian. I speak Malayalam, I think very well. And um, um, other people may say differently, but I think I can speak it pretty well. But, you know, we grew up in, um, I, I was born in Houston, but I grew up in Oklahoma. And as I grew up in Oklahoma, one thing um, my dad was always big on was the fact that, hey, you know what? We need to evangelize. God hasn't called us just to be ordinary people. God has not called us to just sit behind the pews. So evangelism was huge for my dad. And so we went and we did stuff in the homeless shelter. We went and we... Um, brought the homeless to our church, you know, we clothed them and, you know, we fed them every Sunday and we were an international church. And then every year, my dad would go to India for like, you know, orphanages or different ministry that he was doing. And particularly one year, um, we went to India and all four of us, I have two sisters and an older brother and an older sister. So I'm number three. Um, so, you know, we all went to India. And at that time, like, you know, I was only 17 years old and there was a family friend of ours, um, that were missionaries that would come to Oklahoma often and they proposed um, a marriage proposal for me. And, you know, my dad initially would say, no, my kids are young, not until they're done with college and all this stuff. But while I was in India, you know, God just started working on my heart. And when he started working on my heart, you know, I prayed about it and I felt like it was the will of God. We came back and, you know, we talked and long story short, we uh, eventually got married at the age of 20. So when I was 20 years old, yes, I know that was young, um, I got married. And, you know, me and my older sister actually had a double wedding. She was 21 and I was 20. So we uh, both married guys from India, actually. And um, so we came back and, you know, I felt like, you know, life was perfect for me. You know, to be quite honest, there was not a lot, you know, that I didn't have like I wasn't the richest kid I didn't have money and all that but I had friendships I had relationships I had a you know huge family a whole bunch of cousins that would come down often and you know we had Oklahoma everyone was close to each other so we had a huge group of friends and life was just good you know to be quite honest I just felt like I had a great life and um, you know I had some losses like I mentioned the other day like you know I had an uncle and a cousin that I had lost pretty young but as time went by, I started doing ministry and I just, you know, my whole heart was just to serve God. I mean, that's how I was raised. That's all my heart was. I just wanted to see God's will and his plan come to pass in my life. Um, but, you know, life went on. I was uh, finishing up my bachelor's at school. And um, one day my husband at the time and my family all went to the church picnic at one of the lakes like nearby in Oklahoma. 
I stayed home and I stayed behind because I had to study for a test. So as I was studying for this test, you know, one thing I remember is I just felt the Holy Spirit just keep speaking to me. And I was 22 years old and just, I felt like I just needed to pray in tongues. I needed to pray. Like, you know, sometimes that heaviness you get, like, you know, and you just need to pray. And so I started praying and I just remember thinking, you know what, God, whatever it is, you know, I bind and rebuke anything that's not of you. And I was saying this prayer over and over again. Well, long story short, um, I know we wasted a long time with the technical difficulties, but, you know, uh, my dad came to the house and my phone kept ringing all day long. And so I remember trying to call my husband and he didn't answer. And I'm like, hey, something's wrong. Like, I feel like all our cousins are calling. Like, where are you? Maybe you have no reception. But anyways, like, you know, just a random chatting call. And I remember my cousin called me and my aunt called me who were in Chicago and they're like, hey, Jamie, Mona, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm home. And they're like, oh, you didn't go to the picnic? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, okay. And it would hang up. So then I called another cousin. She called and she, she hung up. So anyways, I come home and my dad walks in. And so when my dad walks in, I see him and he's wet. And I'm like, oh, dad, you go swimming? He's like, yeah. So he comes in, he sits down. I'm just chatting away. Like, I'm bored. I have been at home, like, for three hours. Everyone's gone. So I'm chatting away. And my dad was sitting across from me. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. And I pick up the phone. And then it was my aunt who lives in Oklahoma. And she goes, Mona, what happened? What happened? And I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, who drowned? Like, in the lake, you know, I heard something happened and all this stuff. And so I looked at my dad and I said, dad, did something happen at the lake? And I remember he took the phone from me and he closed it. And he said, you know, we were, all the kids were drowning, uh, playing in the lake. Three of them started drowning. And um, your, Shibu, who was my husband at the time, went in, took one out. He went in, took the second one out. And then I said, oh, are they okay? And he goes, well, he went in and got the third one out. And I was like, oh, okay, so the kid's okay. And he goes, yes, the kids are okay, but we can't find him. And I remember as a 22-year-old, um, just the just hearing that, like, you know, just like, okay, wait, no, 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 that can't be possible. You know, we just went on missions trips. I saw healings take place. I saw all this stuff take place. That can't be true. And I said, Dad, take me there. Take me wherever we're at. Like, let's just go. So we got in the car and we're driving and he kept saying, well, well, they're looking, the police and everyone's over there looking for him, but they can't find him. I was like, just get me there. Just get me there. And right as we were leaving my neighborhood, my brother calls and he says, dad, they found him and he's not alive. Um, he has passed away. And I remember just that, that heartache that I went through, but at the same time, that denial that I felt like, no, it's not true that can't happen. I'm serving God. I'm doing everything that God wants me to do in my life. And there's just no way this could be happening to me. So we came back home and I just remember saying, get me to his body and I'll pray God will bring life back into his body because I serve a God that can work miracles. I serve a God that can bring life back. And, you know, obviously with the way things are, you can't just run and go do what you want to do. At that time, you know, authorities took the body, they took it in. No one even knew where it was at the time. So I remember all my uh, cousin, um, cousins, friends, and everyone coming back to the house. And, and I kept saying, guys, I just need to go pray and all this stuff. Um, all that to say, of course, he passed away. He passed away. And as a 22-year-old widow, that's not something I thought I should or would go through as a 22-year-old. And um, 
through that, I went through a grief process in my life that no one in my community understood, that no one in my church understood, that no one period around me understood what that was. So when I was asked to share about grief, I was like, oh yeah, happily, because I'm actually in the middle of writing a book about um, grief, meaning making and reconstruction of grief and grieving and making meaning out of the grieving situations. So what are grieving situations? I'm not saying, oh, you have to be a widow to grieve and that's the only time you can grieve. No, there's so many different things that people go through in life there's people who go through death there's people who go through divorces or relationships that are sabotaged or you know lost in a career or lost in shattered dreams and there's grief that comes and sometimes we don't understand these stages of grief and there's usually five stages of grief that a human being goes to and it's denial there's anger there's bargaining, there's depression, and there's acceptance. And there's no particular order that grief comes through. And I remember as a 22-year-old, initially it was that denial, no, my husband cannot be dead. No, that it's not possible because I'm only 22 and we're both serving God. And with that situation, God, you will not let my husband be dead. And I remember bargaining and being in denial and saying, you know what, just bring his life back. Just give him back to me. Then I did go through that stage of anger. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at myself. I was angry at him for dying. And I was angry at God for not just saving him. But let me tell you something. I remember that during that time, so many people came to me and so many Christians. And like I said, I grew up in a huge, well-knitted community. So I had all these people coming in. You overhear conversations. I even heard, oh, you're only 22 and overheard somebody saying in the background, which I mean, if someone doesn't understand my Malayalam is she's young. She can get married again. I mean, she's, she's just a little kid. And it's true as a 22 year old, I was barely getting to that age of getting married, but they didn't understand that there was a loss, that there was a hurt. It wasn't about the fact that, Oh, what my age was, it wasn't about any of that, but I had truly gone through something so traumatic in my life. And, um, I remember people coming to me and saying, you know what, don't cry too much because if you cry a lot, your parents will still be sad. You need to get out of that place so that your parents, like they don't, they don't get depressed seeing what you're going through. You know, um, as I'm talking, let me get back, backtrack real quickly. You know, in the Bible, there's people who grieved. In the Bible, there's people that have had losses. They went through situations in their life and they struggled and they grieved. And you know what? God has given us that permission to grieve. He is, you know, he, he knows people go through a broken heart. He knows that people struggle with a broken heart. He knows people feel the losses. He knows that people go through pain. But sometimes we're in this community where people are like, okay, that's enough. Quit, quit grieving. Quit going through that. But in Psalms 147, verse 3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted. How can he heal something that's not there? God knows there's going to be people with a brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. But instead of waiting for that healing of God to heal my broken heart and bind up that wound, people were telling me, hey, you know what? You're a Christian. You know what? He's in heaven. You have hope. So you need to get up, wash your face and go forward. You know, earlier today, 
you know, my husband's a preacher and his favorite character is actually David. And I make fun of him all the time because I'm just like, oh my gosh, preach about something other than David. But he brought up a good point when I was like, you know what? And we're talking about grief. And he's like, you know, when I think of grief, I think of David. And he was telling me the story of when David was about to lose his baby and how Nathan came to David and said, your baby's gonna die. And what did David do? It says that David, he went to the temple and he laid down and he isolated himself. David did isolate himself from everybody else. So we see that when someone goes through grief, there is that denial and that area and that place where people want to be isolated. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you need that isolation. I went through an isolation period in my life. Yes, people came and surrounded me and talked to me, but there was times where I just needed to be with God by myself. I needed to be by myself, not saying to a point where you can't get back out from the pit you're in, but sometimes you need that time with God. And then it says he started bargaining he started bargaining for his son's life. Just like that. I know I bargained for my husband's life. I bargained. And it says in the grief parts, we go through a stage in our life where we start bargaining. Like, God, no, give the, this life back. When you see someone going through a sickness, give their life back. No matter what you know, you're just like, no, but you just have to. You have to change my situation. But you know what? Eventually, David got to this point when he started hearing whispering behind those doors. He got up and what did he do? He washed his face and he went and he sat and he ate some food. And what was that? It was acceptance. You know, it's okay to go through the grief stages. I think every person should fully go through the grief grieving stages. Because when people kept trying to stop me from going through my grieving situations, it would have just gotten me to a place where I would have gotten stuck. I was blessed to have a dad that studied psychology and he would tell me cry. He would tell me it's okay to get mad. You know, I remember when like our pastors and Christians used to come in, they'd be like, well, you can't get mad at God. God can do whatever he wants. But you know what? We serve a God that understands that we are angry sometimes. We serve a God that says, hey, Jamie, I know you're mad at me right now and you don't understand the situation, but I love you anyway. We serve a God that understands more than any human being understands. So I I was angry and I was able to express my anger. I was able to express my depression. I was able to have that place where I bargained with God to give life back into that lifeless body. I was able to get through all those places till I finally was able to get to that point of acceptance. And when you get to that point of acceptance, it's not because you're okay with what happened, but you just know, hey, you know what? There's nothing I can do about it, but to go forward. And just like that, David washed his face. He ate his food and he said, my son won't come to me. Only I can go to him. And you know, so many people now quote that word, uh, uh, verse because you know what? That is how it is. We can't go to those who died, uh, but uh, we can't, they can't come back to us, but we can eventually go to them and meet them one day. But does that mean we shouldn't grieve? Let me tell you, whatever situation that when people go through in grief, all they need is a support system.
all the need all they need is a support group i mentioned on monday when i was going through that depression in my life when i was going through that heartache in my life i did tell people hey get out of my room i don't want anyone in here hey leave me alone i don't want anyone in my room i went through that place where i was so depressed that i knew that i had I was making plans in my mind of how I did not want to live anymore. And the reason why I didn't want to live was because my life just seemed like torture. Waking up seemed like torture. Continuing on seemed like torture. And I did not want to live in that anymore. And so let me tell you what happened is I started getting to a place where I didn't want to enjoy anything. You know, I used to love this candy and I'm sure you guys know Andy's mints. Like I'm, I'm such a sweet tooth person. I love sweets. And I remember during that time, my siblings and everyone knew I liked this and every person who would come to our house would bring this for me. And I remember like, you know, I wouldn't eat. I had lost like so much weight. I was very skinny. And one day someone brought it for me, like, just eat it. And I had a niece who was like 10 months old. And she'd be like, mama, me, just eat this, just eat this. So I remember eating one and thinking, oh my goodness, this tastes good. And feeling guilty that I enjoyed a piece of candy. So let me tell you, you know, that anger part that you go through in your life sometimes is just that guilt of trying to move on with your life when you went through something traumatic, trying to move on with your life from the loss that you just went through. So, you know, uh, that guilt turns into anger. And so many people that are grieving, they get to this place in their life where they're emotional and they're angry and they start yelling at the people that are supporting them. They start putting the people that are trying to support them down. They start lashing out on the people around them because they don't know what to do with that guilt, that hurt, that pain on the inside of them. And so as I was going through this as a 22-year-old, I started to see, you know what, I'm lucky to have parents that was letting me have my feelings. But I realized with the community and the church groups that I was in that I was being told that I couldn't go through these stages. I was being told that I need to get up and move forward. I was being told to use my faith and move forward. I was being told that I was dis, uh, I was dis, uh, respecting God by not believing that he just knew what was better for me. Just rehearing all these different theologies that would make you resent God rather than love God and go to him. And I realized, you know what? What we're taught about mental health is not real. What we're taught about heartache is not real. You know, we serve a God that knows people go through heartache. We serve a God that knows that people struggle. We serve a God that says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and what I will give you rest. He didn't say, get that weary and burden off of you and then come to me. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said he will provide us that rest. And so many times we think that we have to make it happen. So many times we are told that we have to make it happen. But you know what God has given us? therapists and people around you to say, you know what, help me get out of this burden I'm in. Help me take the uh you know, take this burden, this yoke away. And as you read in Matthew chapter 28, chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, it says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon 
you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest in your souls. Let me tell you what got me to the situation where I was able to get out was the was God, was his word, was who he was and was the fact that I knew and I started realizing that I served a loving God that will just hold on to me, that he loved me when I was angry. He loved me when I was depressed. He loved me when I was isolating myself. He loved me when I kept bargaining for something that I wasn't going to get. He loved me in all those situations until I was able to finally accept it. And so we need to be a group of people that are empathetic to those people that are hurting. It, like I mentioned earlier, it's not just death. I'm talking about in any grieving situation that you go through. Right now, so many people are losing loved ones. So many people are losing their jobs. So many people's lives are changing from what they know to something completely different. And all those things can cause a grief on the inside of a person. And what Whatever stage they're in, I'm telling you, get educated and get to a point where you can stand up and say, you know what? They're going through the stages. They're going through the struggles. And whatever situation they're in, you know, remind them that they have a God that loves them through their flaws. Remind them that, that they have a God that loves them throughout whatever it is that they're going through, that they have a God that can take that burden and give them rest. And you know, so many times you have to remind people that just because we're sometimes taught to just by faith, go forward and say, Hey, you know what? We, we need to get past these situations we're in. We serve a God that says, you know what? It's okay to grieve. It's okay to go through this heartache you're going through. It's okay to go through the struggle that you're going through. I'm here. As it says in James 4 verse 8, draw near to me and I'll draw close to you. And I will tell you in my most broken time, in my times where I said, God, I want nothing to do with you. When I said, God, I want nothing to do with the God that didn't save my husband. When I said all that is during that broken time is when God showed me how much he loved me. No matter my flaws, no matter my thoughts, no matter my heart. He said, I love you through this. I hold you through this and I will carry you through this. You know, as I said, mentioned earlier, you know, I'm writing a book called Meaning Making and Meaning Reconstructions of Losing a Loved One. And so many times, you know, there's different ways of losing a loved one. There's people who lose siblings. There's people who lose uh, parents. There's people who lose their kids. There's people who lose uh, a friend and, you know, just different kinds of relationship. And there's people who lose people in an anticipated death or an unanticipated death. And all that has a different kind of effect on a person. And I'm telling you today, grief is important. And grief is something an individual needs to go through. So if you know someone that's grieving right now, I ask you to just reach out to that person. And like I said, even though I try to isolate myself, even though I try to pull people, uh, push people out, I got a day, I got maybe a day and a half, and then someone would be pushed in. And it was usually my little niece. My mom would send her into my room. But 
you know, when you see someone isolating themselves, it's okay sometimes to give them a little bit of time. But when you see them going through and taking extremely long, I say, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you don't know what to say, sometimes you just need to go there and sit. Sometimes you just need to go there and pray silently in your heart. And so many times people just say, you know what, I don't have words to say. Let me tell you, don't say any words. Because I will tell you the words that I heard heard during my time of grief was probably the worst thing uh, that I heard. So many things said, people said the wrong things. So many people advised the wrong things. And so many people said the wrong things that you don't want to hear. So sometimes if you say, I have nothing to say, then you're the perfect person to go to that person that needs someone. And I just want to say a word of prayer for you all as I close. And I just want to remind you, as it says in Psalms 147 verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Whatever wound you are going through in your life, Life, whatever loss you are going through your life, whatever stage you are in right now in your grief cycle, I say that God is a God that still heals. God is a God that still holds out his hand and he reaches out to you saying, I can help you get your healing. And right now, as I pray, any person going through grief right now, I pray, as I pray, I pray that you let God start giving you that internal healing because that is when I realized that I needed to go into the mental health field. That is what made me realize that I needed to get into this profession because we don't have enough Christians in this. We don't have enough Indians in this. We don't have enough people in our culture in this that understand what mental health really means because people always see the physical hurt, but people always ignore the internal hurt. And I believe that God has given us that internal healing. I believe we serve a God that cares about that internal healing. And God knows that we have this battle on our in our mind and in our hearts that constantly go through. And when we tell other people about it, they act like it's just an attack and we just need to move forward but we serve a god that understands all that and i'm in this field and i'm i know what it's like to hurt and be in that hurting stage where you can't get that healing that other people can get with like by just popping a tylenol for the pain but we need someone or we need more people that understand that there is mental health help that's needed there is internal help that's needed let me pray for you right now father right now in jesus name Oh, Lord Jesus, we just come to your presence. Father, right now, I know there's so many people hurting right now. There's so many people struggling right now. There's so many people going through things mentally and internally that they feel like they can't share with anyone else. They think that their situation is so unique and that there's no one that would understand what they are going through. But Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you are a God that understands everything we go through, that you are a God that understood it when you were on that cross, that you are a God that cared about it when you were on that cross, Father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you died on that cross, it wasn't only for our sins. It wasn't only for our physical physical healing, but it was for our mental and internal healing. And Father, right now, whoever is listening to my voice that is needing that healing right now, Father, I pray you touch their minds, you touch their hearts, and you touch their spirits. Father, you talk to them tonight, oh Lord Jesus, so that they will not leave this, converse, this meeting, Father, this 
same again. They will not leave this chat group leaving the same, oh Lord Jesus. They will not leave this prayer, Father, feeling the same, oh Lord Jesus. But you transform their mind, transform their heart, and transform their spirit right now as we pray, oh Lord Jesus. And I thank you that you will touch them, and you will heal them, and you will send them to the right people, Father. And bless each and every person on this call, Lord Jesus. Father, you let them be the hands and the feet to go out and help those that are hurting, oh Lord. And you show them where to go. You show them, you tell them what to speak. And sometimes, Father, you show them just how to sit and listen and be present, oh Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you've done and what you have yet to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time.